morning. It's good to be with you on this beautiful Lord's Day. Always a blessing to be with God's people and to worship Him together. Without faith, it is impossible. It is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to be accepted of God. And without faith, it is impossible to be with God in heaven. In the Gospel of John, chapter 6, the Jews once asked Jesus this question, What shall we do so that we may work the works of God? And Jesus replied to that by saying, This is the work of God, that you believe in Him whom He sent. And on that same day, later on in that discussion, in that conversation, Jesus told them, You have seen me, and yet do not believe. Our call as God's people our call as Christians day by day is to walk by faith, not by sight, not by our senses, not by our emotions, not by human reasoning. We're to walk by faith. And our Lord Jesus Christ critiques the faith of every person. And there are times that people's faith just does not measure up. And so, you know, we see in the scriptures that when their faith is not what it ought to be, well, then that was addressed. For example, we see there are followers of Christ whose faith was rebuked because, well, they had a little faith and a weak faith. Others are addressed because they had shipwrecked their faith or they had a dead faith. And so we need to think about faith today, particularly in the context of this year, as we consider different ways that we should be maturing in 2021. Fortifying our faith in God. Fortifying our faith in Jesus Christ, fortifying our faith in the one faith and in the truth is critical. Fortifying your faith is critical that you do that this year. We live in difficult and turbulent times. Not just politically and not just economically. But even more so spiritually, we are at war. We are at war. And we cannot get up and we can't go out of our houses, out the door, without the shield of faith firmly in hand and not expect to become wounded. Or even worse, to get entangled and ensnared by that which leads to the second death of hell. We need to fortify our faith this year. But how do you do that? How do we go about fortifying our faith? Making it stronger, making it deeper. Well, it begins by deepening our faith 
in the Word of God. And you think about that. The idea of your faith being fortified because it's rooted in the Holy Scripture. It's vital that we each and every one of us understand, particularly young people, that your faith must not be founded upon your parents. And that your faith must not be founded upon your friends. And neither must your faith be dependent upon your spouse, your brethren, your preacher, your elders, whoever may have had some positive influence in your life. Why? Because they cannot save you. They cannot redeem your soul. They are not without sin. And they are not the truth. They are not the faith. Stability and, and security is not found, nor is it maintained in the philosophies and the teachings of men. And that includes parents. And that includes preachers. It's, it's not dependent upon others entirely. But rather the words of God's Son. The words of Jesus Christ are the unshakable foundation to which we must deepen and root ourselves. You're familiar with Matthew chapter, chapter 7. About the wise man. And the familiarity of these words should not miss the profoundness of the truth that Jesus is stating. Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them. Everybody who hears these words of Jesus and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And yet, it did not fall. For it had been founded on the rock. What's the rock? Or who's the rock? It is Jesus Christ and His revelation. It is only that word, that foundation, which can withstand the storms of our dark and sinful world in which we live in. A saving faith, a fortified faith, originates where? And where does it grow from? Well, it grows from the word of Christ. And you're familiar with that. Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes how? Faith comes from hearing, hearing you know, from the word or by the word of Christ. So yes, if we're going to fortify ourselves or fortify our faith more so this year than in years gone by, we must root ourselves ever deeper in God's word, in the inspired holy scriptures. To believe the Son of God, though, each one of us must decide for ourselves that we are going to hear Him. We have to decide that. We have to decide for ourselves that we are going to listen to Him. 
And we have to decide for ourselves that we're going to heed what he says. Because that's what a wise man does. That's what Jesus says that makes you a wise man. One who hears these words of his and acts on them. That's where wisdom, and that's where faith is going to be fortified. What's sad is not everybody does that. Not everybody will do that. In Romans chapter you know, 10, verse 16, Paul says, Not all heeded the good news. Not all believed the report. But the principle and the truth still is, faith is going to come from hearing God's word. And so we choose. We all choose what we listen to. We all choose what we're going to accept and believe. We all choose what we're going to act upon. But it's important for us to understand that having the ears to hear God's inspired words is not something that we just do at the beginning. Not only do we need ears to hear so that we can become Christians, so that we convert into Christ, but it has to be an ongoing endeavor. We have to keep ears that hear. It has to be a constant effort. It has to be an ingrained pursuit. Consider in the parable of the sower. You're familiar with that, with that parable? When talking about the good soil, the good hearts that, were, you know, that listened and received, what else did they do? He says, well, the, good, the seed and the good soul, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. We have the ears to hear, but we have to have the ears to hear that hold on to what we've heard. And we have to keep on holding on to that. In 2 John 9, it talks about those who have fellowship or those who don't have fellowship with God and the Son. He says, if we go too far, if we go beyond what is the teaching of Christ, we don't have God. So how do I have God in my life? How do I have Jesus in my life? How do I keep them in my life? He says, he that abides in the doctrine of Christ. That is an ongoing, continual thing. So if I'm going to fortify my faith, if we're going to fortify our faith, then it must be one that deepens itself in the Word of God. In the Holy Scriptures. And we hold fast to it, and we continue in it, no matter what. Now, the reason why is because we have to ready ourselves to contend for the one faith. You're familiar with what Jude writes in verse 3. As he is guided by the Holy Spirit and says, Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints. The way of truth, the way of, uh, of, of life, 
Jesus' way is a challenging way. It is a constricting path, and His ways are generally rejected, are generally opposed by the majority. For the most part, the world rejects God. For the most part, the world rejects Jesus Christ. For the most part, the world rejects the truth. And so we have to be ready for that. And we have to ready ourselves for that. So there is effort here. There is training. There is equipping that we must implement in our life. If we're going to contend well in this battle, in the combat of our spiritual war, but the majority, as Jesus says in Matthew 6.13, the majority are going to choose which gate. The majority are going to choose which path. Well, they're going, to, they're going to enter by the wide gate and the broad path. Or they're going to choose the pleasures of sin above the reproaches of Christ. They are, they're not going to look to Moses as a hero of faith. As one to imitate. Jesus said. Because they rejected me. The world reject you. In this audience. You know. It's, it, it's hard to, to imagine. What really went on. You think about it. How the world rejected the Son of God. The world rejected the Son of God. We know that. And we believe that. And there is evidence of that. But do we really comprehend that the world in which we live in right now, and even the country in which we live in right now, rejects Christ. Rejects truth. And so why we should be surprised that if the world rejected Jesus when he was on earth, why would they not reject him now in heaven? Ephesians 6 talks about how we need to arm ourselves. You're familiar with that passage. The armor of God and doing all that we, we must do to stand firm. Having done all to stand firm against the scheme, the tactics, the wiles of the devil. Because the evil one, Satan, is constantly sending missiles. Missiles against God's people. That's why if we're going to fortify ourselves and fortify our faith this year, we've got to recognize we have to ready ourselves for battle. We have to ready for ourselves you know, for the combat of contending for the one Faith. Ephesians 4 verse 5 talks about the unity that we are to endeavor to keep. And it says in verse 5, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's one. That is, there's one body, there's one standard of faith that has been revealed. And that one revealed faith is what we need, we need to hear. We need to listen to. And we need to believe it. And we need to receive it. And we need to act upon it. In Galatians chapter 3 and, and, and 1, it talks about how the saints in Galatia 
had received that faith which was revealed, and that faith had been preached to them. You understand that the one faith has been revealed. And that one faith was preached in the first century. That it, it is the body of truth, it is the gospel which has come to us from God through Jesus Christ, communicated by the Holy Spirit. John 16, 13. When Jesus said, I'm going to send the Spirit, and He's going to guide you, the Spirit of truth, and He's guide you into all truth. And because it has been revealed, and it was directed by the work of the Holy Spirit, and it has been preached and preserved, the content and the substance of that one faith does not need to be revised. The content and the substance of that one faith does not need to be updated. It has been delivered once for all. One faith. That one body of truth, that one standard of righteousness, that one substance of God has been once for all delivered. And our call here in Jude verse 3, our call is that we are to agonize over this. We are to intensely struggle to defend the doctrine of Christ. To defend the one faith that has come from God through the Son, by the work of the Holy Spirit, through chosen messengers. The apostles and prophets in the New Testament. And we are to contend earnestly for this faith that has been given to us. And it carries the idea of agonizing struggling. The one faith must be proclaimed, yes, but also the one faith must be upheld in practice and the one faith must be protected by the saints. Contend earnestly, he says, for the faith that you have received. Or as Paul you know, writes, <coughs> fight. It's a good fight. And keep the faith. Fight for the pattern of Christ with what? Not with human means, but with the armor of God, with truth and righteousness and salvation. That's how we fight in this battle. The urgency of this, the urgency of this is in the context of Jude, based upon the fact that we are combating growing numbers of false teachers. We are trying to defeat growing numbers of corrupted gospels which cost people their souls. They cost them their salvation. Jude 4. Certain persons have crept in unnoticed. Those who were long before him marked out for this condemnation ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. 
You drop on down in the context of Jude. You look there in verse 8 when he says, Yet in the same way, these men, also by dreaming, defile the flesh, reject authority, and revile angelic majesties. Verse 12. These are men who are hidden reefs in your love feast when they feast with you without fear, caring for themselves, clouds without water, carried along by winds, autumn trees without fruit, doubly dead. Uprooted, wild waves of the sea, casting up their own shame like foam, wandering stars in whom the black darkness had been reserved forever. We are at war, brethren. If we're going to fortify our faith, not only do we need to root it in God's word, but we need to ready ourselves for the con contest that we are in. We must be trained, we must be equipped, we must be ready. To do battle. But that includes as well the determination to endure the test to our faith without wavering. Brian touched a bit on this, on this concept in his lesson in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. But let's turn over to James 1 and read those familiar words of our Lord. When he says, consider all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials or tests. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I would suggest to you that faith does not grow, faith does not deepen, faith is not strengthened without trials. Without temptations, without hardships, without struggles. It is in those arenas, in those facets of our walk in life, that faith is being tested. And we're being challenged to make the decision whether or not we're going to endure the test and keep the faith. Our God is not the one who changes. Truth does not change. Righteousness does not change. God's plan and God's promises do not change. So when we are dealing with difficulties, when we're dealing with life's uncertainties, or we're dealing with losses, whatever it may be, whatever the trial is, it comes in many different shapes and sizes and colors. But whatever it is, we must endure tests to our faith without wavering. We must hold fast. We must remain steady. We must endure without walking away. James also tells us in the midst of these trials and tests and temptations... That we are not to blame God in the meantime. In chapter 1, verse 12, he says, Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. And how true that is. Because his faith has been refined. His faith has been strengthened. His faith has deepened. And it's ready to face the next trial. 
How blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Verse 13 now. Let no one say, when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. And then he goes on to explain where temptation to sin comes from. So when we're having problems, when we're dealing with hurts, or we're facing opposition and persecutions, it's not God's fault. It's not God's fault. Endure the test to your faith without wavering. It's not God. He's not the one letting you down. Our task is that we've simply got to keep on adhering to the Lord's instructions. We've got to hold on to those decrees that we have been given, even when it's difficult to do so. The voice of our shepherd, Jesus, does not change just because circumstances change. Just because surroundings change. Or maybe just because we have changed. The voice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, does not change. For example, consider Peter. Peter's example. In spite of all his faults, and Peter had his faults, he did show great faith on a number of occasions. Go back early on in Luke chapter 5, verse 5, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. You look there at the beginning of Jesus' ministry when Jesus tells him to put down his nets again. You recall that incident. And he says, Master, you know, we have fished all night and we've caught nothing. And he said, but at your word, I will. And he did. That was faith. Everything from his viewpoint, everything from his understanding, everything from his experience said, this is foolish. This is a waste of time. But because you said so, I'll do it. We must endure the test. We must hold fast to the promise. We must take the step. Even when everything around us seems unreasonable. Or over in Matthew chapter 14. Matthew 14 on the occasion when Jesus comes to them on the water. And you recall after Jesus identifies himself to his apostles and calms their fear. That Peter then says to him in verse 28 of Matthew 14, he says, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So often we want to focus on him getting distracted. You need to see the magnitude of Peter's faith here. Would you have taken the step to step out of that boat on the water in the midst of a storm? Would you have taken the first step? Peter did. Now he started sinking 
And the Lord saved him. But give credit where it is due. That it takes faith to do the difficult thing. And we must have the faith to endure that task and to take the steps that need to be taken. Take the step when it's hard. Take the step when it's difficult. Take the step when life is uncertain to you. Because it is our Lord, it is our shepherd who leads us through life's valleys. Valleys that sometimes have the shadow of death lurking nearby. Psalm 23, 4. The Lord leads us through these valleys in the shadow of death. My understanding of that passage is that not death, that's not just death itself. But it is the valleys of this world, the valleys of life sometimes where, yes, it appears death could be imminent. But I follow the Lord anyway, and He gets me to the plateau where there's nourishment and safety. Follow the shepherd's commands, follow the shepherd's instructions, even when trepidation weighs on your heart. Does that happen to us sometimes? Circumstances, surrounding situations, weigh in our heart. It kind of shakes us up a little bit and our faith is weakened maybe. The Lord hasn't changed. Just because it's hard and difficult to serve, the Lord hasn't changed. His truth hasn't changed. His promise hasn't changed. Trust Him. Endure the test without wavering. But then finally, trust Trust your Father. Trust your Shepherd that He will protect you and He will deliver you one way or another. In Psalm 37, in Psalm 37, you know, the people of God are challenged to put their trust in the Lord because he is good. Verse 5. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him. And He will do it. 34. Wait for the Lord and keep His way. Waiting involves action. Continuing to do what the Lord has called us to do. Yes, yeah, so I've got to wait on the Lord and keep His way as I wait. Verse 40. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in Him. Life is filled with uncertainty all the time. There is uncertainty all the time. Just there's moments there seem to be more uncertainty than others. Dangers are all around us all the time. We sometimes forget that. We get comfortable. We feel safe. But no, there is uncertainty and danger all around us. But in spite of the risk in this world, God's people must do what? We must live. We must live for God, no matter what the circumstances are. We must serve one another, no matter what the uncertainties are. We must obey God. Take Job, for example. Job suffered immensely, severely. How long? 
long enough. But you know what? God was protecting him the entire time. Have you ever thought about that? Well, on the surface, the world would have thought so. His wife didn't think so. But God was. God was protecting him. And God delivered him. And God blessed him. Trust your father. Trust your shepherd. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel's you know, long life friends. You know the story there in Daniel 3. How they did not waver from the reliance that Jehovah could and Jehovah would deliver them from the fiery furnace. They didn't waver from that. They trusted God. And were willing to lay down their life. That even in death, God would deliver them. But then finally, take Paul as well. The Lord was Paul's rescuer all throughout his life. And even at the end of his life, as he's writing, he's pinning his last letter to that son of the faith, Timothy. And you think about some of the last words that Paul wrote are found in chapter 4, verse 16 through 18. who reflects a little bit on his circumstance and situation, and it was not all good. You know, and I think it implies that there could have been maybe some disappointments, some discouragements. And he says, at my first defense, no one supported me. At my first defense, no one supported me. Do you think he felt a bit alone? But all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. What a good heart. All week we talked about the heart. Here's an example of a good heart. No one is there supporting him here in the end in this particular defense of the gospel. But he says, may not be counted against them. But he goes on to say, but the Lord stood with me. Everyone else ran away. You know, almost think about the, the Garden of Gethsemane. And the apostles deserting their Lord. Here, Paul says, The Lord stood with me, and the Lord strengthened me, so that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished, that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was rescued. I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. So he's speaking of a time past where he experienced. This disappointment, this discouragement, this aloneness. And he said, but the Lord was there through it all. And he brought me through it. And he used me as his, his servant, as his vessel to his glory. And I was rescued. And now verse 18. And the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed. And will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul continued to entrust his life. He continued to entrust his future 
in His rescuer's hands. Paul died. Paul died for the cause of Christ. But he never wavered from trusting that his God and Father and his Lord and Savior Jesus Christ were always there. Sustaining him, protecting him, and yes, going to deliver him. So this year, fortify your faith. For, fortify it how? Well, fortify it with continually rooting yourself in God's Word. Start where faith begins. In the truth of the Scriptures. But not only that, but also you know, devote yourself in equipping yourself to contend, to, to engage in the spiritual combat for that one faith that's been once all delivered. It's not going to change. And it is that faith that's been given to us that we're to believe and obey. But also steadily, steadily hold fast to it, even when tests get hard. Even when life is hard. Keep the faith. Endure what you have to endure. And always trust God that He will deliver on His promise. If you're outside of Jesus Christ, if you've not rendered obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ, then you're still in your sin. And in your sin, you're separated from God. And, separate, and being separated from God in Christ means you are without hope. The hope of heaven. But God, through His Son, so loved the world, all the world, that He has atoned sin through the sacrifice of His Son's life and blood. Do you believe Jesus to be the Christ? To be the Son of God? If you do, but have not rendered obedience to Him, then we want to encourage you to do that. To call upon the name of the Lord in obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Confess your faith with your mouth that He is God's Son. Repent of your sins and be baptized in Christ. And God will wash you clean. Your sins will be forgiven. And you'll be raised a new creature in Christ. And you are a child of God, but there's sin in your life right now that you've not repented of and you've not prayed to your Father regarding. If we can assist you in praying with you and praying for you, encourage you as well. Turn back to the Lord. Make your life right with Him. God is faithful to cleanse us again when we repent and pray. Whatever your spiritual need may be this morning, we invite you, encourage you, please come now as we stand and sing the song as we said like. Give me.